Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Transgender Hoosiers say they're considering moving out of Indiana. This as a House committee signed off on a ban on transgender transition procedures for minors. News 8's government reporter Garrett Burquist explains why today's vote has transgender people fearing for their safety. The bill is part of a nationwide wave of legislation targeting transgender youth. Some transgender people tell me they fear it won't stop there. While LGBTQ rights supporters demonstrated outside the House chamber, people like Robin Miller urged lawmakers not to go any further. If bills like these existed and I would ha- and I would have had to wait as long as 18 and went through the puberty that would have destroyed all of the changes I wish to have seen from my hormone replacement therapy, I don't know if I would even necessarily be here to talk about it today. I must now stop the madness and engage in an honesty that clearly isn't coming from this report that comes from Wish TV. Now, I must admit, it's not just Wish TV. It is a panoply of so many that don't honestly address the conversation therein. The conversation of how this started. The headline that Wish TV has, which of course is a major outlet in Indianapolis and across the state of Indiana. Transgender people consider moving as Indiana transition care ban advances. The answer there is, okay. Why is that even a headline? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. My response is going to be seen as, oh, how hateful. Wait a second. Allow me to go the other direction. Hateful are the people saying, do what we want, otherwise we'll leave. That's That's a very odd position to take. That's a very sales force position to take. Oh, you're going to have a position on abortion we don't like? Well, we'll just have everybody move on out of Indiana. We'll pay them to go to San Francisco where they can walk over human feces in order to get to work. But don't drive your car because that thing is going to get broken into, guaranteed. I don't know where you're going to find an Uber that isn't broken into, but best of luck. You're in San Francisco, the safest place in the country. Somehow, when Salesforce does it, It's totally fine. But somehow when you say, we're not going to allow children to be abused, that is going to have people move. We are not going to have willy-nilly recreational abortion in the state of Indiana. People won't move to Indiana for jobs now. No data ever, by the way. No hard data that shows that we lost out and will lose out on millions of people who need to move somewhere but won't move to Indiana because of abortion legislation. Every single move and maneuver is about how this state is so awful, this state is so bigoted, this state is so hateful. Nah. Now, this is the state that accepted the New York Jew as their morning host and as their radio host. I, I, don't, I don't think this is a bigoted place. Oh, don't get me wrong. There are people who don't like me. All right, I can't do anything about those anti-Semites. 
By the way, you see how you do that? They don't like my politics, so I'll just decide that they're anti-Semites, which is basically what happens when I say, I don't want children being abused, and they say, well, you're just a homophobe or a transphobe or a thisphobe. Can we at least get some definitions right? We're talking about children. And the idea of being transgender has nothing to do with heterosexuality or homosexuality. These are very, very different things. But it's what happens when these people who claim to be good and decent want to put all these people together, LGBTQ+. We're not talking about the the G or the B. We're only talking about the T and we're only talking about children. We're not talking about what adults do. The fact that I may not understand it is completely inconsequential. They're adults. They can make decisions. I don't think they're necessarily the best decisions. I more follow DSM-5. I understand it as gender dysmorphia or gender dysphoria, I should say. And, and I think that they should get the care that they desire or they need. But if they want to do something as an adult, I'm not in the business of stopping them. The libertarian in me just kicks right in. I'm like, you go do you as long as you're not telling me what I have to do, which is exactly why I'll never stop an adult from doing X, Y, Z. But you can't get me to call you your preferred pronoun. I won't lie to myself. I won't lie to others. I won't do it. So you can do for you. You just can't make me do for you. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Transgender people consider moving as Indiana transition care ban advances. Move. Move. I don't know what to to tell you. I mean, it's not a threat. You lost the battle. SB uh, 480, SB 480, the Senate bill passed the House in an eight to five vote. It's now going to go to a full vote of uh, the General Assembly, of of the House and the General Assembly, and there it's going to go to Governor Holcomb's desk, and I certainly hope Governor Holcomb signs it. Children can't decide their gender, mainly because that can't be done in toto, but the idea that we would allow these transition surgeries for children is madness, You can't run a society like that, certainly not a decent society, certainly not a civil society. The answer is no. The answer is no. And the vast majority of Hoosiers say no. So if a very vocal minority that wants to scream hateful things and wants to abuse children, in my view, want to move, bye. Now, some people are having a much different conversation because they're actually dealing with this with their own children, maybe. And and as much as we talk about the reality that this is social contagion, this is about acceptance, this is about um, wanting to feel special or engaging some kind of belonging because they have some other mental issue going on, that's all real. It doesn't change the fact that there are parents going through this and, dear Lord, have some compassion for these people. Have Show some respect. Don't be angry that, oh, you raised your kid wrong. The hell they raised their kid wrong. You don't know how they raised their kid. What are you talking about? Things are happening and pressures are coming from every place, specifically schools that are failing kids and pushing this stuff on kids and then not telling parents what's going on with the kids and keeping secrets for the kids and then prodding kids. That's why parents are getting so involved in what's going on in the schools. And what happened when parents got involved in the schools? The Department of Justice called them domestic terrorists. 
And parents, instead of saying, oh, no, not me, said, oh, no, wait a second. You mean I start paying attention and the second I do, you tell me I can't pay attention? Now I'm paying attention. There is no greater example of the Streisand effect than what the Department of Justice did in calling parents domestic terrorists. The Streisand effect, by the way, is is about Barbara Streisand because there was a photo taken of coastal erosion. I think it was in Malibu where she has her home or Pacific Palisades, wherever it was, in California. And it was a picture of her house. And she got angry that a picture of her house was put out there. Don't you dare put out a picture of my house out there. I demand my privacy, she said. You know what everybody did? They looked for the photo so they could see Barbara Streisand's house. That's the Streisand effect. You complaining about the thing make more people go to the thing. The Department of Justice calling parents, calling moms in suburbs and in inner cities across the country domestic terrorists, oh, that dog won't hunt. There was no difference No difference in the reaction of the mom, whether they be in Carmel, Indiana, or whether they be in Bloomington, Indiana, or whether they be in Speedway, Indiana, or in Greenfield, Indiana. There is no difference. Did they just call me a domestic terrorist? Let me take off my earring, show you what's what. And then off to the races. You can't say that to parents. You can't say that to moms. You can't tell them that they're not allowed to pay attention to what's going on in their kids' school, what's going on in their kids' lives. They will not buy into that. You don't get to say children can make decisions of a medical nature, including having surgery that mutilates them. Children can't make this decision. Children are not allowed to make this decision because they're children and children have to be protected more often than not from themselves and parents get this and adults get this and uncles and aunts get this and friends get this and that's why they're standing up and that's why they support legislation like Senate Bill 480 and that's why this group of people including the ACLU of Indiana are in the minority so if the answer is you're going to move okay I move for taxes you move for what you move for But stop thinking it's some kind of insult or threat. I'm saying bye. Then there is the people, and I reject how Garrett Burquist put this together. Let me, he's the guy, uh, the reporter there, and he wrote the story at Wish TV. Let me share this with you again. The bill's part of a nationwide wave of legislation targeting transgender youth. No one is being targeted. Transgender youth are not being targeted. And I have to object to the statement. I understand I'm not mad at Garrett Burquist uh, over there at Wish TV. I've never actually met Garrett. I'm saying that there, the, the problem here is that there is no thought to the line being given. First, if we're going to use the term transgender youth, we're going to be engaging a level of acceptance that this is a thing. I reject that. That's, that, that should be rejected. But the idea that anybody's being targeted is, of course, untrue because the, the use of the word targeted means that this is an attack and this is wrong. If you're a journalist, you shouldn't be utilizing that kind of, of wordage, of verbiage. Absolutely not. You're in the wrong. This legislation is about those radicalized adults 
who believe that children should be allowed to engage their own medical procedures, make their own decisions. They should be cleaving children away from their parents. And if children can make their own medical decision, and then you say children can, can uh, you know, have an abortion whenever they want, they should be able to have agency. They don't need their parents. Well, then children can decide who they love. People have pushed back on me on that as I've been discussing it now for five years. I ain't going no place. And neither are you, because we get this. Once you say that children have agency, you put an end to the concept of children and Toto. There are no more children if children do not need parents. And if children don't need parents, well, then other adults can, you know, be there. And if you say to me, Tony, that's sick and twisted, I'll say to you, I agree. That's why I believe in childhood. That's why I believe that children should be protected more often than not from themselves. That's why I believe the age of adulthood is 18. And that's why I believe that children can't have these surgeries. Because decisions made when you're 12 are not decisions made when you're 22. They're not. Different decisions get made. And then they played uh, this, I'm going to say as a girl. And what would have happened if... She wasn't allowed to have these procedures. If bills like these existed and I would ha- and I would have had to wait as long as 18 and went through the puberty that would have destroyed all of the changes I wish you have seen from my hormone replacement therapy, I don't know if I would even necessarily be here to talk about it today. I will continue to engage in large-scale objection to the idea that you have to do this for children, otherwise they'll kill themselves. I say clearly now, I reject the premise. I also say clearly that children who feel this way feel this way regardless, and they're looking for something to stop the pain. It doesn't mean you give them what they want, because what they want is indeed irreversible. It is not a threat that one can use against society. Allow me to take these medicines, allow me to have this surgery, otherwise I'll kill myself, is not a threat that a society gives into. Oh no, this child's going to do harm themselves, so therefore we have to change the totality of society and no longer protect children because of it is such a radical thought that the person saying it should be laughed at. When a child says it, I believe they're telling you they're clearly in pain and one should love them. But love often involves saying no. Love often involves saying, I hear you, but this is not something that you can decide. When you're 18, you're an adult and I won't be able to stop you even if I disagree with you. But I have a job to do as a parent. And my job involves ensuring that you don't make mistakes that you cannot recover from. And so the answer is no, but let's get you someone to talk to. Let's get you uh, ways to express yourself. You have no concept of how much I love you and adore you. And you may never understand that this is a conversation of love. But I'm saying no. I love you and I'm saying no. Now that's hard. That's really hard. But that is exactly the answer. 
As a matter of fact, in a civil society, I would argue that they that may very well be the only answer. Let them do this. Let them do this. Let them engage puberty blockers and the laughable idea as we know it now that these things are reversible. You're t- you you have this kid talking about all the changes made so they wouldn't have to go through puberty and then you have these same people telling you that those things are reversible. What's reversible? You engage chemically to change the physical adaptations, the biological adaptations of the human body and then you think three years, four years, five years later you snap your fingers and everything goes back to fine? No, it doesn't. And we have enough stories about these detransitioned kids to be able to see that. It is stunning and shocking and twisted to see this this move and maneuver about kids. And I know that that, that for me, in, in, in my small way, I've been a very vocal opponent of this radicalness from what I view as radicalness from the ACLU of Indiana, uh, from those people who want to scream and yell that you hate children, you're leading children to suicide. No, I am not. It's a disgusting thing to say. Uh, and that most importantly, well, if you don't allow this, people are going to move. Well, bye. You're going to move. But wherever you go, this fight continues. Children have to be protected more often than not from themselves. We do not blur the line nor eradicate the line between childhood and adulthood. We protect childhood. It should be sacred. And we're going to fight the people who believe they can blur that line. We're going to fight the people who believe they can perform these mutilation surgeries on children. We're going to fight for these kids, all of these kids, in all 50 states because they and society are worth it. I'm Tony Katz. there's an interesting part too to that whole story about children and gender and and what we're allowing and and fighting to keep children as children there's a story out of Uvalde which I think has gotten very little coverage that my god will make you stop in your tracks Tony Katz Tony Katz today it's good to be with you in Uvalde the school shooting that happened there Rob Elementary School and you had the shooter inside the classroom, but you had all these police around and nobody went in. Oh, we didn't have the key. What are you talking about? There was no key. The door was unlocked. Why didn't you go in? You had enough protective gear. Why didn't you go in? As is reported, once they saw a torrent of bullets tear through a classroom wall metal door, the first police officers in the hallway of Rob Elementary School concluded they were outgunned and that they could die. Um... What? There was a gun and you didn't go in because they had a gun? You decided, and the video cameras, the, 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 the footage, the body cam footage shows this, that confronting the gunman would be too dangerous? In an interview with investigators, a Uvalde police sergeant said, you knew it was definitely an AR. We had no choice but to wait and try to get something that had better coverage where we could actually stand up to him. Police officers, look, I want you to go home. I want you to go home safe every single day. But there are kids in a classroom and a guy with a gun. You go in. 
The parents would have gone in. You didn't let the parents go in. You were afraid of the AR? How do you think the kids felt? The cop was afraid. Fire every single cop in Uvalde. Start over. Sorry, that dog won't hunt in a civil society. My conversation with Senator Mike Braun, that's coming up next. This is Tony Katz today. Two pieces of legislation, two very different results. COVID origins signed by President Biden, but ESG investing vetoed. The first veto by the president, uh, Joe Biden. Both of those pieces of legislation Coming from Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, he joins us right now. Tony Katz, good to be with you, uh, Senator, and also I should mention a candidate uh, for governor in Indiana in 2024. Um, I, I want to go through the one-two punch, but I, I got to ask about the 800-pound uh, gorilla, the possibility of former President Trump being indicted. Uh, we don't know whether this is going to happen, but people have been commenting. You have comments on this? You know, Tony, it's been interesting because if you go back to the first impeachment uh, as a freshman senator, I had to jump out uh, when I really wasn't interested in doing it. But I thought that was a railroad job. Obviously, it was. Um, I had to get a couple other senior senators to go jump in front of the mics uh, when Chuck Schumer was trying to litigate it each time with a weak case. So, you know, when I saw Trump come along back when I first started paying attention, to me, he represented half the country teed off with business as usual in D.C. I've been here a little over four years. You see it up close like I do. It's worse than what you'd imagine. So he gives a lot of material uh, to the competition to work with. But when you look at all of this stuff, it generally has a political angle to it. I'm not going to dismiss any of the merits of the case either. And for any of us that have come from the outside, uh, it's a constant struggle against the system itself. So where he's going to end up with this, I mean, they think they've got three or four ways to uh, get him or corner him. Um, been like that since he came down the escalator and got elected. But again, some of it you got to maybe uh, be personally accountable for as well. I still believe this place is messed up with the people that have been running it for a long time. He represents the opposite of that. It's playing out in a way that um, uh, who knows what's going to happen over the next a few months, uh, he's got a lot to contend with. So you you would argue that uh, while there may be things that Trump had done wrong, this, uh, the idea of an indictment, based on what we know, you consider political? Definitely this thing in New York. I mean, this prosecuting attorney, why isn't he paying attention to his own backyard? I mean, these big cities and the fact that prosecutors, you know, we have a situation in our own state capital. Why aren't they litigating uh, the nuts and bolts of being a prosecutor on, I think, the issues that most people care about within their states. Here in uh, New York City, you know, they've been after him for a long time. And when you look at the particular case there, that is extremely weak. And we'll have to see where it goes. When there's that much interest, though, in taking someone down, they are going to push the envelope. And then it speaks to the issue of, Maybe you need to consider giving less material 
uh, for the competition to work with. But I'm on watching this in a similar way uh, for most of the time I've been here. Uh, he is an outsider. They don't like that. This place is run by the establishment, and you're, you're going to have this kind of political stuff. It's just getting to a fever pitch, and I don't know what's going to happen because he's surrounded by three or four issues. So let's move into the week that you had, talking to Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, candidate for governor in the state of Indiana 2024, already declared. Uh, First, let's talk about the veto. Joe Biden's first veto is on your legislation talking about ESG, environmental social governance, uh, and the idea of how we allow investing to take place, how these large-scale investors do it, taking money from other people who may or may not have a choice in where their investment dollar goes. You say that it shouldn't be based on factors that have nothing to do with the business. It shouldn't be based on ideological factors. And Joe Biden says, well, you're going to be keeping people from making real money if you take that away from them. So I'm going to veto this. What what was your response? So, first of all, it's a, a badge of honor to be able to put legislation out there that would elicit his first veto. Another example of I call them political enterprisers. If they can't get things done legislatively, they look at all the tools in the toolbox. And I think throughout the rest of his two years, uh, he is going to, through their administration, find any way through rulings. Uh, there, I think a lot of these agencies are weaponized from the EPA to many of the others to get their point of view across. It's part of what I've thought about them since I've gotten into politics. Uh, They're faster footed generally than we are, and they will push the envelope. So the only tool when you do have a ruling or an executive order, and I got a great staff. If you recall, we were the ones that weighed in, did the Congressional Review Act on that crazy idea of forcing everybody to get a vaccine down to uh, employers of 100 employees. Then the Supreme Court weighed in. And, Tony, whenever you do this, it is going to be a message because, obviously, an administration is not going to sign something like that. But when you do make your point well, the Supreme Court came in on that vaccine mandate thing. Here they could do the same thing. Or a lower court could, because that's but, the but only go, remedy. But go with me, sir. Let me interrupt for a moment. Yeah. Go with me to the argument. Your point was was that we shouldn't, on a, on a federal level, be utilizing ESG as a a way of investing or down to the to individual funds. What was it that you were actually advocating for, and what was it that Joe Biden actually vetoed? Okay, so if you go from the Clinton, Bush, Obama. Trump administrations, it's been the same ruling. You invest based upon the best return on investment. And I don't care if you invest in something, if it's ancillary, if it's a coincidence that you're putting it into a fund that might be looking at some longer term issue. I don't like the idea of pushing a woke agenda. I don't like the idea of pushing a conservative or a liberal agenda through a retirement account. But if you get the best return, which is what my point of view would reflect, Biden says you can't have that as the primary. Uh, you can you can include a interest in uh, ideology or a point of view as well as, and I think that should be ancillary, secondary to 
your return on investment. And the only case out there that studied it would have been Bloomberg when they took, if you would have avoided oil and gas, some of the energy stocks. Recently, it would have cost you 2.6% on what would have been an 8.9% return. That's close to a 30% difference. I don't even think the liberals would be interested in that if they found out it was going to cost them that much on their But you're not opposed to people. You're not opposed to individuals investing the way they want. This is about funds where money comes in from people who aren't aware necessarily of what the fund is doing. Exactly, and that's that fiduciary uh, responsibility that any money manager is going to have. And I don't think most people would be even into the fact or even know about it until they open their quarterly or annual statement up and say, what gives? Uh, Why is my return so poor? And I don't think the money managers are going to tell them about it. They can go ahead and do it. I think it ought to be clear that your guideline is get me the best return on investment and you can uh, that's the primary and if an individual says hey put me in some uh, climate stocks put me in some of the uh, new technology out there fine but don't let it to where the money manager can do it because most people aren't going to be paying that close attention to it they're going to expect the best return on investment by the numbers talking to senator mike braun of indiana you can find him on twitter you can find him all over the place also a candidate for governor in the state of indiana 2024 you also get president biden to sign something which is to declassify covid covid origins uh, the most amazing part about this is that you got the left to go along. Everybody seems to go along with this idea, okay, let's declassify. Why is that? Well, number one, uh, this has got a backstory to it because we passed it two years ago, and I'm not sure that everybody is aware of that. That was not going to go anywhere because Nancy Pelosi was running the House. So we did it again now when there's been a lot of evolution on that, even from the FBI, from the Energy Department, I think, and when you hear stuff like that, Tony, my observation here is there must be something to it. And we did it again, and then they were in a pickle because Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans control the House. Uh, I got a call from Steve Scalise shortly after we ran it through again, and he was uh, almost giddy in the sense that They were going to get it to the floor. It's going to pass. Then every Democrat in the Senate had to be on it again. I was surprised every Democrat in the House was on it. But the issue has evolved to where most people have to say, uh, even if not with a straight face, they do it politically. We ought to expose what we've been holding in our intel agencies, in our own intel what we know about the origins of COVID. I mean, I never thought in my wildest dreams we'd ever get anything that had every senator, every representative on it, but they were kind of in a catch for that reason. Let's see what Biden does. He's got to reveal it within 90 days. That's part of uh, uh, this uh, bill. And are you anticipating they- anything, sir, before I, I let you go? Yeah. Are you anticipating something, something that, um, that you're like, oh, wait till America sees this? I'd be speculating there, Tony. All I can tell you is all the stuff that we've gathered during this whole COVID navigation and when they've been such a uh, protagonist 
the Democrats, the Biden administration, Fauci on certain points of view, we ought to get it out there and see for ourselves. I have no real gut feel other than I think there might be more than what we currently know, uh, whether it'll be earth shaking or not. That's not the point. We ought to be able to see it, make up our own minds. Mike Braun, Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, a candidate for governor in 2024. You find everything at braun.senate.gov. That's the website that you go to, braun.senate.gov. You know, always with Senator Braun, you got you to gotta bring him back. You got to bring him back a touch. I thought his commentary about Trump was, was interesting, that he, he was trying to split the baby there, right? He was... He was trying, look, maybe Trump's did some things wrong, but this is also wrong. Very, very interesting, because I, I would have predicted him to have been much stronger on what Alvin Bragg, the district attorney in Manhattan, is doing is completely insane, and, and how dare he, and this is an abuse of power, which all those things would be true. The argument that Trump um, may have done things that are inappropriate, that's a separate conversation. Because it's okay to say that he's done things that are inappropriate. I don't know why anybody would say otherwise. It's okay to say. It's okay to say that you think that maybe morally you find a Trump reprehensible. Also okay to say. Those things can exist and it can also exist that what the DA, Alvin Bragg, may be doing, have already done whatever the case may be with the indictment, is nuts. There is no universe, no, no plane of existence in the multiverse where he's not wrong. And of course the political left knows it. Of course the political left knows that he's wrong. They know this is a mistake. They know this is crazy. I don't know if they have the ability to reel themselves in. I simply don't know if they can stop themselves. I truly don't, which is why I'll buy anything. If you ask me, you know, I was talking about this on my morning show. Do I, do I really think they're going to indict Trump? I don't. But I never leave out the possibility that these people are nuts. They're an irrational sort. Well, what do you expect from a cultist? They believe. They've been told that Trump is the enemy of everything that exists, and therefore Trump must go down. It doesn't matter how Trump goes down, Trump must go down. He has to go down for Russia. He has to go down for January 6th. He has to go down for a Ukraine phone call. He has to go down for a Georgia phone call. He has to go down. He has to go down. Everything is predicated on Donald Trump going down, but yet you wanting something and the reality of something are often two different things. And until you can accept the reality of the thing, if you're still somebody who wants the thing that doesn't exist, we usually don't let you have a driver's license. We usually ask that you see a professional because you have lost touch with reality. Isn't that exactly what you're seeing on social media and the other places? The rational mind can say, I find Donald Trump to be reprehensible. I find Donald Trump to be immoral. I think Donald Trump's disgusting the way he talks. And you can even decide, I don't like his policies. All of those would be rational conversations amongst rational people, whether it be at the dinner table or on the bar stool. Irrational is, we have to get him. We have to get him no matter what. We have to do everything in our power to get him. We got to break every law to get him. Because if we break the laws now, that means we'll save the law later. This is actually what they're saying. That was Dana Perino's whole point. And then they get completely conspiratorial about the thing. Oh, yeah, we 
We got him now. The walls are closing in. Everybody gets it. Oh, we're going to indict him. It's not that he actually committed a felony, but we're going to say it's a felony because we have to say he did this in order to protect ourselves later. That's the right way to run a country. That's how we keep ourselves safe. Oh, I'm so excited. Freaks. Oh, God, I got winded right there. Whew. He, he. These people are freaks. These people are cultists. That's what we're seeing. So, do I think it's going to happen? No, but, I mean, it could have already already happened. In which case, nah, I guess I can't be surprised. I'm never surprised when the cult does weird cult things. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Does he think China is abiding by the international rules of the road? We have significant concerns um, about uh, China's behavior, particularly their coercive and aggressive behavior. But there are other areas where we believe there's room for cooperation uh, with China. But in order to do that, Peter, you got to keep those lines of communication open. Lines of communication, John Kirby, are inconsequential when the person you want to talk to will lie to you. So therefore, what do you do with the lines of communication? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today, that was Peter Ducey asking questions of John Kirby there uh, from the National Security Council. What I found interesting was the commentary of Mike Pompeo, former CIA director, being very, very clear-headed about the whole vassal state reality. This is pretty typical of this administration putting process over substance, right? The ability to make a phone call as opposed to the ability to actually change the Chinese Communist Party's behavior against the United States. Look, there's a couple things we should think our way through. One, it's clear Russia is the junior partner here. It's clear that they're now becoming a vassal state of the Chinese Communist Party. They have a thousand nuclear weapons to add to the Chinese arsenal. That's bad for us. Uh, The U.N. has always been troubling. Now two members of the U.N. Security Council joined together against the United States of America. That's bad for the United States as well. Well, I think we can just state that the U.N. is bad for America as well. I I get you keep your friends close, your enemies closer, but... We're fooling ourselves in in the U.N. conversation. We can't fool ourselves when it comes to the China conversation. China wants control of Russia, and they're doing everything they can to get it. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.